Hello, friends, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Different Church Podcast. The world doesn't need another church. It needs a different church. Today's episode, we will be tackling part two of Yahweh or the Highway, which was last episode, and it was Hannah discussing if Jesus is the only way, are other religions valid, and all sorts of other interesting questions that come directly from you guys. Uh, that's the cool thing about this podcast so far is most of what we've done ha has been um, submitted by user questions. So please keep them coming. Um, hit us up at hello at diffchurch.com and let us know what questions you might have about faith, about the Bible, uh, about anything. As you know, this podcast serves two purposes. First and foremost is the sermon slash Bible study that Hannah does. And if you want to jump straight to that, you can find it at... 540. And the second purpose is to keep you updated on all things different church. Let me tell you, we have some pretty exciting stuff going on. I put a post today on our Facebook page about prayer and about how prayer works. And the reason we're talking about prayer is because this week is a really important week for us. Um, we have some meetings that are happening uh, actually tomorrow, I'm, I'm recording this on Tuesday and it'll release on Wednesday. So by the time you guys are listening to this, we will already be kind of having the meetings. We have two really big needs for the future of Different. They are um, musicians and a location. Uh, as you probably know, we hope to uh, end up at the Mar Theater, which they just signed their lease today. So that's pretty awesome. Things are uh, moving along with them, but our, our timeline is a little bit ahead of theirs. So we need to find a temporary space to land for a few months before we are officially at the Mar Theater. Um, so we have a meeting with, I think, two places tomorrow. And then there's probably two or three other places that really are interested in having us meet in their space. And that is crazy awesome. It would be so like God to take the two things that we've been stressing out about for months and like just take care of them in the same day and the same week. <laughs> so big prayers uh, that the meetings go well. Um, and we promise to pray for you as well. So if you need prayer about anything, again, hit us up at hello at diffchurch.com. We would love to pray for you. We would love to answer your questions on the podcast. Anything you need, let us know. What else is going on at Diff Church? We just had our Friendsgiving event a couple weeks ago, and we had, I think, around 35 people in a house, and it was incredible. The food was amazing. I was blown away at how uh, everyone involved is apparently a master chef. Thank God I didn't cook anything, because I am not. But literally everything that I ate was delicious. I was blown away. You guys are awesome. And everybody that was there was just really pumped about... Um, the possibility of the future of different church and our small group is around 12 people strong so obviously 35 is a lot more than 12 so we're getting pretty close to maybe launching a second group or um, bringing more people into the first group we're not really sure what we're going to do but we know that we're ready to start expanding some stuff if you have ideas reach out let us know um, if you want to maybe host a group uh, you could let us know that would be really cool too Right now, our um, our one group of, is, of course, in St. Pete, and that's going to be home base for us. But we do have a bunch of people, including myself, coming over from Tampa. So maybe there's an opportunity for a Tampa group or something. 
Um, anyway, we're just trying to be creative and give the people what they want. And what the people want is more different. <laughs> um, we also have a really cool service project coming up soon on the 21st. This is Saturday. It is open to anyone who wants to join. It is the Laundry Project. We're teaming up with Current Initiatives and Jason Sowell. They do laundry projects across Tampa, uh, across the state, across the country. Uh, I believe they're in something like, I don't know, five different states right now. And we are lucky to uh, join up with somebody who's just crushing it in the giving back to the community game. So the way it works is we do everyone's laundry for free on a particular Saturday. Um, and people uh, know it's happening. We advertise it. And sometimes people will show up with like multiple loads. It's uh, the only time they can do laundry. Um, and we're just super happy to provide a service and make people feel good. And along with that, we're going to be hanging out with um, families and kids and, you know, doing uh, coloring pictures and reading books and giving out free stuff. And <clears throat> it's just, uh, it kind of turns the laundromat into like a community center for a day. So again, if you're uh, interested in joining up, reach out hello at diffchurch.com. I think that's pretty much all the stuff that's going on that I want to tell you about. There are a couple other things that I'm going to keep secret for now, but just know we have another amazing community project uh, on the horizon in December and I'm going to keep it under wraps for now. Um, with that being said, let's jump straight to the podcast. This is part two of Yahweh or the Highway. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hi, friends, and welcome to part two of Yahweh or the Highway, where we continue our discussion that we began in the last podcast episode of the questions, are all religions valid? Do all roads lead to the same place? And do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? So in this particular episode, we are going to focus on the last question of the three, which is, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? Now, we did get some responses to the last podcast, as I knew we would, <laughs> and um, there were two very strong opinions, both completely opposite of each other. So the first opinion was that the episode made some people uncomfortable um, cause, because we really didn't answer the question at the very end. In fact, I posed a lot of questions for you to think about and you to resolve in your own mind and your own beliefs, but I did not answer how different church would respond to do believers in Jesus, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? And I know that made quite a few of you uncomfortable. <laughs> I heard from some. Um, I'm sure I didn't hear from many more. And I want you to know, first of all, that that's a totally normal reaction. That's a reaction I myself would have had probably 10, 15 years ago before I kind of began on this journey of thinking 
a little bit outside the box, thinking a little bit differently about theology and truly studying theology for my job. So um, it's a completely normal thing to have to to be uncomfortable with me or feel that I dodged the question, but we are going to address it today. Um, the other response, which I found funny, <laughs> was that some people were very, very extremely happy that I did not give a firm answer in the last episode. So I got some responses that said, so happy that you didn't tell us where the church stands because that's not what is really important to me. What's important is thinking through these issues. And I want to say that both positions are right, um, but I don't think either one goes far enough. So we definitely do want to have an answer and I want to give you an answer. Um, But if you are the type of person who wants a fixed answer, you will find that it's very difficult to do especially when it comes to a subject like this. Um, And if you did not want a firm answer, um, I would invite you to kind of question that as well, because we do kind of have to have some basis for what we believe. Um, So I'm going to be very clear, I think, in this episode, what different churches' stances. However, I still think it's going to make some people, perhaps (laughs) even me a few years ago, uncomfortable um, because it's a topic that's hard to be clear on. And so let's spend a moment at the beginning of this, before we dive straight into the theology, talking about easy versus hard answers. So I have said multiple times in the last few episodes that easy answers crumble when poked. And that is very true. Um, An easy answer, a one sentence answer, really doesn't help anybody, I don't think, um, other than if you need to recite it back to someone who is not going to question you further. Easy answers do not generally, they're not applicable in real life. Um, So we can say, do all believers go to, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven when they die? We can just say, sure, absolutely. That sounds great. Um, But then when applied to real life, that becomes very difficult because what about people who haven't said the words? What does it mean to be saved? How can you tell if someone is saved? Um, What about someone who's never heard of Jesus and doesn't know any better? So they, that is what I mean when I say easy answers crumble. And hard answers are much more difficult to arrive at. Um, and by hard, I don't mean, I can mean that it is hard to arrive at them because generally you have to go through kind of a soul searching process to arrive at those answers. But also the journey itself is difficult to get to that answer. Um, it's, it's not linear. It requires personal experience. It requires study. It requires thought. Um, and I, I just want to say this about the gospel. So... I find that the Bible and I find that faith and theology and the ways that we think about God in the world and the Bible specifically is kind of like a tide pool. So if you've ever seen a rocky beach, um, perhaps you're from up north on the East Coast or you can picture one in your mind that you've seen in a movie, just kind of a rocky beach with significant waves out in the ocean. So the ocean is kind of crashing on the shore, but behind the rocks, there tends to be these little tide pools that fill up with water when the tide comes in and they kind of drain a little bit when the tide goes out and they're very calm. So right on the other side of the rocks, there's wild waves just crashing, going everywhere and that can look terrifying. But on this side of the rocks, there's these tide pools that are calm and serene and wildlife lives there. And they're these beautiful little oases. So I find that the gospel is exactly like that. And it depends on what you're ready for. And it depends on where you are in your faith journey. So the Bible and faith 
can be as shallow and as calm and as serene as a tide pool and and safe for babies to play in. Nobody's going to drown in a tide pool. Um, little children can play in them. There's animals in them. They're calm. They don't scare anybody. It's just a little tide pool and they're beautiful. And faith can be that It's some parts in our lives. But once you grow up a little bit and once you journey a little bit further in your faith, you will find generally that the tide pool answers to things they're a little too shallow. They're a little too, they don't match real life. They don't match the waves that are crashing on the other side of the rocks. And that is where people can feel like they're drowning in faith because the water is just, it's just overtaking them. It's going over their head. They don't understand what's happening. They haven't taken the time to really think through what it means to live as a person of faith and to say that I believe in a God and I believe in Jesus and how this might affect their life. And so the Bible can be small enough for you to dip your toe in and not drown. And also at the same time, deep enough for an elephant or a herd of elephants to swim in and come nowhere near to touching the bottom. And that's what faith is as well, because we will just, we just never will get to the end of it. And sometimes it's wild and dangerous and will shake you at your foundation and your core, and you won't have an easy comeback to that. So that's what I want you to keep in mind when we think of easy versus hard answers. And now let's dive in. <laughs> ignore my ridiculous puns. Um, let's dive in to kind of a continuation of this. So at the beginning of this episode, I quoted something that if you are uh, any kind of orthodox Christian, um, or you are around that, and by that I mean Lutheran or Methodist or Presbyterian, something like that, um, as well as if you studied faith or theology or anything like that, you may have heard this poem that I repeated. So it is called the Apostles' Creed, and it is a foundational document that has been around for thousands of years now, um, definitely decades, uh, centuries, I should say, centuries and centuries it's been around, and it is a foundational statement of theology and belief. We believe in God, we believe he created, we believe in Jesus, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Um, and then we believe in forgiveness, resurrection, life everlasting. So it kind of hits all the main points, and different church holds the Apostles' Creed as our foundation, our foundational written statement on theology and faith and belief. So that is our jumping off point. So anywhere we come from, from different church, we're going to jump off of the Apostles' Creed and we're going to jump off of interpretations of scripture. So if you're asking for any kind of written statement as to what different church believes, we are probably not going to get more in depth than the Apostles' Creed, but that's definitely where we're going to start. Now, note, if you have the Apostles' Creed pulled up in front of you, or if you can remember back to a few moments ago when I read it, the Apostles' Creed actually doesn't really speak about heaven. It speaks of life everlasting, but it doesn't speak of heaven specifically. Um, it does speak of forgiveness of sins, and it speaks specifically that Jesus is going to come again to judge the living and the dead. And that is what I want you to hang on to throughout this episode, that Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead, not us. Jesus is going to be the judge, not us. So different churches answer to the question of do only believers in Jesus go to heaven is very simple and also 
very complicated at the same time. So I'm gonna give you our one sentence answer and then we'll dive into the hard, more complicated answer a little bit more. So do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? Our answer at different church would be that Jesus is the only path to salvation. We believe that Jesus is in fact the only path to salvation. Now that might make you feel good that we gave this simple one sentence statement, but it's anything but simple or easy. You might note that I didn't say, do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? Yes or no. I said, we believe that Jesus is the only path to salvation. So I'm even answering it in a little bit of a different language than the original question was posed. And we spoke of words in the last episode. So words are, of course, very important. And we, I do agree that if a person has the ability to profess faith in Jesus out loud using spoken word or written word, they should absolutely do, that, do so. However, what if, and this is where we dive into a more complicated answer, what if a person does not have the ability to profess faith in Jesus verbally or in written form? What if they've never heard of Jesus? And I know that that is difficult to imagine in today's global world, but there are plenty of people around the world, probably not in America, although I have run into some who have never been exposed to any kind of religion or anything like that. Um, they have never even grasped a basic understanding of God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or anything like that. So how are they supposed to profess faith in something that they have never heard of? Perhaps this person is disabled or mentally incapacitated in some way and doesn't have the ability, the mental ability, to even form the words to profess faith. Perhaps it's just a child and they don't know any better. Um, and then perhaps the person, child or adult, is that they just don't know any better or that they only experience they've had with faith, specifically Christian faith or faith in Jesus, has been negative. So I'm thinking specifically in America, um, I can think of quite a few instances where if someone's only interaction with a Christian or a person who believed in Jesus was through some of the things that get put on the news that, that so-called Christians do, um, that that, w I'm, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think that that's their fault. For, that's a person's fault for rejecting the kind of faith that allows someone to be hateful, spiteful, um, destroy other people's lives, deny personhood of people. So perhaps their only experience with faith has been negative. So the question is, are, what about these people? If they can't profess faith out loud, if they can't profess it in writing, if they don't even know enough to, to be able to do that in the first place, what's going to happen to them? And my answer is going to come straight out of the Apostles' Creed, which is that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. So I'm going to say that one more time because I really want it to sink in that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. Not us. Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. So while I do believe it is our job to be like Jesus in the world, I don't know if we can actually have a definitive answer towards what does belief in Jesus actually look like? And do only believers in Jesus go to heaven? Because again, that breaks down. What do you mean by belief? How do you get to a point of belief? Is it something that you have to verbally adhere to, etc.? So let's move on to the second part of the complicated answer is that, let's think of the question, how do you know if someone is saved? 
And this is one of the questions I asked you to reflect on in the last podcast episode at the very end. How do you know, how can you tell if someone has faith in Jesus or if someone has faith in God at all, or if faith has been done anything in their life? What does belief in Jesus actually look like? And unfortunately, the short answer is there's no way to tell definitively. Um, You can't really look at another person and decide how Jesus is going to judge them because it's quite frankly not our place to judge other people. Um, That's repeated many, many times in the Bible. Don't judge. Don't judge unless you want to be judged in the same manner. Um, It's repeated many, many times. And there really is no way to tell definitively. It's going to be very difficult for us to look at another person and say, yes, they're going to be saved. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to end up in heaven, whatever heaven may or may not look like. We know this for a fact. We can't know it for a fact. We simply can't. Now, that's not to say all hope is lost because we absolutely can have a clue. We can have a clue. And I'm going to read just a passage in Matthew to you, just a couple of verses, which I think will provide this jumping off point for us to kind of think about this more in depth. So Matthew 7, 15 through 17 reads, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You will know them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. So let's stop here for a moment, because this is how you will have a clue. Now, there's no way that we can know definitively, but this is how you will have a clue as to whether someone is a person of faith or whether Jesus has done any kind of redemptive or transforming or or work in their life to make them into a new person. And you can tell by how they act. If they are hateful and bitter and selfish and controlling and arrogant and they only have negative things to say about other people and they're consumed with power and they have no regard for those less fortunate or less able than them, then we can look at that and say that's bad fruit. And what is this verse saying? It said, you will know how someone is by how they act. If they're producing bad fruit, it's because it's a bad tree. (laughs) Have you ever seen, basically, this is what the scripture is asking. Have you ever seen beautiful, ripe, beautiful fruit come off of a tree that's rotten on the inside? Have you ever seen um, rotten, horrible fruit, just awful every single time, come from a tree that's perfect? It just doesn't work that way. And don't write me if agriculture and gardening is your thing, because literally I will kill, I have killed every plant ever. (laughs) Um, I got a succulent, sidebar, I got a succulent uh, two weeks ago as a little present from one of the people that I work with. And so far, it's not looking good. So all I have done is water it a little bit, which I, I can't tell if it's too dry or if I drowned it. I'm not sure. But I've killed every plant pretty much ever in my entire life. So if this metaphor doesn't hold up when you keep breaking it down, don't write me. Just know that it's a metaphor in the scripture. And if you think about it just on a surface level, it does make sense. You can tell what someone is like by how they act. Think of a person that you really love to spend time with, that you just admire and respect. And you just, every time you're around them, you feel a sense of joy and relief. That person 
probably has good fruit. And think of the people that you want to avoid, the people that are always surrounded with drama, with fights, with um, just these interpersonal tangles that they seem to get themselves in. The fruit that we are looking for is also found in scripture. Um, and it is, it sounds simple, but it's difficult. And it's all the fruit that we should be known for. It's, we're looking for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those are, that is how you can, if someone says, I'm a Christian, and they have zero, none of that in their life, then you may have cause to question. <laughs> you may say, you're producing some bad fruit. And I don't know that I should let you have any influence here. Because the opposite of love, contrary to popular belief, generally is not hate. It's more of an indifference, just a complete apathy and lack of care for other people. Um, the opposite of joy is, of course, despair. Um, and not that as Christians, we can't have moments where we despair, because I certainly do. I struggle with anxiety and depression, and um, mental health is very dear to me. So don't think that just because you, you have joy means you have to ha be happy all the time. Um, but it will, joy will eventually shine through in your life um, if we're looking for that fruit. Um, peace, the opposite of peace is, of course, anxiety. The opposite of patience is impatience. <laughs> um, the opposite of kindness is to just be short and rude and snappy with everybody. Goodness, um, well, I don't want to say badness, <laughs> but you know, you know, the people that are good to spend time with and good to let into your life and the people that are not. Faithfulness is, of course, um, following through on what you say, being true to your word, being faithful, valuing other people's boundaries, of course. Um, gen gentleness. Um, we don't want people who are harsh, who are um, just say awful things and have no respect for the personhood of another person. And self-control, um, of course, <laughs> we hope that as adults, we have some self-control. And sometimes it's difficult. You can watch little kids who have no self-control and they just melt down and they just do whatever they want all the time. And teenagers too. I was an awful teenager. But these are the fruits that we want in our life. We People will know us by our fruit. If someone else wants to have a clue as to whether or not faith has made a difference in our life, it's because of the fruit. And so keeping that in mind, when we say Jesus is the only path to salvation, that means that Jesus is the only one who decides who is redeemed or who enters everlasting life. So what happens after death? We know very little. There's a few things in the Bible, um, which we'll talk about in a future episode. We'll talk about what heaven and hell could possibly look like. Um, we know very little, honestly, and I don't want that to dishearten you. But the point of salvation and the point of life everlasting is that this everlasting life, this redeemed life, this new person that you've become, who is patient and kind and good and peaceful and joyful and loving and has self-control and is gentle and good, that person starts right now and carries into everlasting life. It doesn't suddenly become that, that when Jesus says, okay, everything's done, we're going into everlasting life, that that means at that point, you suddenly will start being a person of faith. The point of redemption, the point of faith is that you start right now. 
and that you have these things in your life. And so while we are here, it's definitely our duty to share Jesus with the world as much as possible. But I would say not by yelling at them. I was about to say not by our words, although I think our words are very important. And certainly I would have to think that because <laughs> I'm here talking to you <laughs> using words. Um, let me rephrase that a little bit. So we want to share Jesus with the world, but often what we do is we share Jesus only with our words and we don't share with our actions. We, and people can look at us and they're not they're not stupid. People can look at us and without even reading the Bible or knowing what Matthew 7 says, they can say, you're producing bad fruit. I don't think I'm going to listen to you. Someone can look at my life and say, you profess to be a person of faith and yet you have no sign whatsoever that God is important in your life except that you show up at church on Sunday. And that's what we want to try to avoid. And we want to show people Jesus by our actions. That's why we have such a focus on inclusivity at Different Church because so many people have been excluded and oppressed by power structures and hierarchies inside the church. And I'm not saying that all hierarchies are bad. I don't think they are. Um, however, the way that they've been used to push people down and to keep, to deny personhood and to deny value and worth to human beings, which we profess are made in the image of God, that is not good fruit. And so we have to actively resist that so that people can look at our faith community and say, huh, I want to know more. Um, I want to know why you're doing this. I want to know it seems like Jesus has made a difference in your life. It seems like your faith is actually part of who you are because you're doing something that's not normal. So people will know us by what we act like. And there's a popular worship song to switch gears just a little bit because I know we think, <laughs> at least I have certainly been in spaces where I'm like, you know what, God, I just want to trust you. Help me to trust you. Teach me to trust you. And there's this popular worship song in evangelical circles where the chorus has these lines and it says, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you have called me. And I know certainly I have not always meant that. <laughs> I have sung that song many, many times at the top of my lungs with my hands raised, my eyes closed, just saying, yes, lead me. I want to trust you. Take me beyond the border. Take me out into the deep water. Take me past the rocks on the shore and into where the waves are crashing. And I just want to trust you. But I don't really mean that because I want a simple answer for everything still. And so what I want to leave you with at the end of this episode is a few more things to ponder. Um, and you can absolutely contact us through any of the channels, Instagram, Facebook, email on the website. You can contact us if you have further questions um, or just keep subscribing. And because we'll continue to talk about these issues as the podcast progresses. If you're not satisfied with the answer <laughs> that we, we believe Jesus is the only path to salvation, However, it's complicated and only Jesus is able to judge the living and the dead. And it, our only task is to be like Jesus and show that faith has affected our life by our actions and secondarily by our words. So here's some questions for you to reflect on over the next little while. Number one, 
What does it mean to trust without borders when it comes to the salvation of another person, perhaps someone we love? Number two, what does it mean to walk out on the waters, to actually trust Jesus to judge the living and the dead instead of ourselves? Three, what does it mean to actually believe that Jesus is the only path to salvation? Is that just a trite phrase? Are we using that as something simple and easy? How does this affect our actual life? How does it affect how we relate to other people? How we talk to people about faith? How we interact with people? And fourth, and finally, what in our lives do we need to examine? And I'll speak for myself here. What in my own life do I need to examine? Where do I have bad fruit? Where are people looking at me and saying, you must not know. Your faith must not have made a difference. Maybe we, maybe, may we reflect on these sobering realities as we think about how faith interacts with our lives, with our families, in our relationships, in our workplace. And if we agree together that Jesus is the only path to salvation, may we realize with, that that statement carries a sobering weight, but also so much freedom. Because if Jesus is the only path, then Jesus is the only judge. And it's so it's out of our hands to decide someone's fate. All we can do is live as living proof that faith in Jesus makes a difference in life. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, we would be honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you really like about what we're doing. Also, don't forget to check us out at diffchurch.com and follow us on Instagram at diffchurch or facebook.com slash diffchurch.